The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and he was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most Friday mornings lately, I've taken the children to school and then jumped on I-22 after navigating downtown Birmingham due to all the construction. And then at the only noticeable stop between here and Camp McDowell, where the giant yellow rest stop called Love's, you can see it, and it's um, this gigantic center where there's a McDonald's and a subway and a gas station that looks like a parking lot for all of Alabama. I turn off and then I head north for about 15 minutes until I get to the Sipsy Fork of the Black Warrior River. And in what I have been able to time in, in an hour and seven minutes from when I have let the kids out of the car, I can be standing in water watching a little fog rise off the cool 50 degree river. 
beginning the hunt for Alabama's only public access rainbow trout. Other Friday mornings, I will sneak down into the Cahaba River just under the Piggly Wiggly over here off of Overden and hunt for the rare red-eye bass of Alabama. And I'm realizing more and more every week that it's not about fishing. It's about paying attention. And I don't mean that kind of paying attention just so you don't miss the fly being swallowed or the shadow chasing the glimmering bug or the, the bass coming out of the water to eat the painted piece of balsa wood. It's even more than an appreciation for the beauty of our enchanting state. As the water is kind of moving over my feet, my distractions dissipate. The text messages and emails that many of y'all have sent lose their importance. I'm sorry to confess that to you all. And I see what is close to me. The river changes my focus and proximity matters. It's odd, and this is where I think it's interesting, that when I change my focus to be extremely close and to just see what's around me, that's when I realize about how much I don't know, that I can't possibly comprehend. I'm a, I love to learn and to read and to grow, and I'm, like many others, kind of stuck in that ever-pursuant quest for knowledge and meaning. But when my focus changes to be just in what is in front of me, there's a shift from a desire for more answers to this sense of awe and wonder. I'd go as far to say kind of a sacred wondering. And I, I'm not sure if the kind of metaphor of fishing works for all of you, but I wonder if you also kind of find yourself at different moments having that same sense of wonder and awe. Maybe you've attended a play or a performance, a group of ordinary people working together that helps you recognize beauty in a profound way. Or you found yourself gazing at a piece of art or drawn into a good book or lost at a symphony or listening to our choir or a music group. Or maybe you stood on top of a mountain or at the edge of a canyon or gazed out of the window of an airplane. Or better yet, laid down at the grass at Camp McDowell and stared up at the stars and realized just how small and insignificant we are or how large and vast God's world really is. There's a small group of us that have been reading some essays by Wendell Berry on Tuesdays and I've finding them challenging, one of the ideas he develops is asking the question if there is a sense of arrogance or entitlement in thinking that we know what is best for the world. And he's, uh, the essays we've been reading, he's been kind of developing this environmental ethic that he was working on in the 1970s or 80s. And, and the idea that is kind of sticking with me is there is a sense of, of self-centeredness or arrogance or entitlement that leads us to believe that we are in control of the planet and we can do as we wish. I am beginning to wonder if our pursuit of knowledge or science or information, even common sense to some extent, if it's 
led by our own ambition, leads us to believe that we can figure everything out. But if we are here because we believe that there is an almighty God, if we have this sense of the reason that we are drawn here is that we are a part of something so much larger, this divine being that creates the cosmos and breathes life into the universe. I mean, if we have that concept, then how in God's name could we possibly understand everything? I wonder sometimes if the Christian tradition of focusing on a personal understanding of a relationship with Jesus subtly makes us think that we can know the mind or will of God. And if you've even kind of ca captured what I just did, I'm putting, I'm putting a, our own human understanding of knowledge, uh, kind of putting parameters on God. I'm putting my own limits and boundaries on God's greatness. And when we do that, we then just use the way that we exist in this world. We use or abuse or use up because, of course, our own intellect, our own godness will mean that we can figure a way out of it. And I don't want to suggest that we can't work together to make this world a better place to care for this world, to care and nurture God's people. I mean, I think that's, that's why we, we gather here largely. But it's that our own arrogance or entitlement or self-centeredness potentially sets us at odds against God. And so we get in trouble if we don't marvel at mystery and wonder and be struck by a sense of awe or awesomeness that is right at the gates of our existence. I say all this because in our gospel we have a rich man and he is blind to what is right in front of him. He glosses over Lazarus. He feasts sumptuously every day. While one might say he was enjoying the life he had earned or inherited, there's a sort of arrogance or entitlement that you capture in the text. He's blind to what is near. He's blind to suffering, to Lazarus, who obviously is important because it's the only person in all of Jesus' parables that's named. He's blind to the greater kind of providence of God, not a word you typically hear in the Episcopal Church. Blind to see that he isn't in charge of the world, that he is not a king, although he's wearing purple. He has a lack of humility around his relationship to everything. In the image that we are given is this great chasm has been fixed, the separation between the man and God or God's intended splendor. And if only he had noticed that which was at his gate, because it's Lazarus who's on the other side of the chasm. And yet when we get to the scripture, there's no way of passing. I find this image of the great rift or gulf one of the most intriguing in scriptures. See, we want to believe that we're in control. And while I believe that all human beings matter, I believe that everything is sacred and of vital importance of creation, and we, we talk about that a lot of, of respecting the image of God that exists within every human being, that doesn't mean that we are God. In fact, there is something about our human limits that we can't even fathom the majesty or mystery of everything that is so much larger. 
That's why looking at the stars is so important. There is this chasm that separates us from God. And I'm wondering if it's our arrogancy or lack of humility or entitlement that creates it. And that's the kind of, if we're to, if you're to buy this kind of play on, on, on this way of being, it creates this great irony. It is in seeking to be God, in seeking to kind of know God or, or to confine God to certain limits, we become separated from God. But in seeking to be curious and acknowledging that kind of mystery, we find God. I wonder what would have happened if the rich man had been a little bit more curious about Lazarus, wanted to know his story, inquired about his gifts and passions, wondered why he had sores, who he was. Maybe the rich man thought he knew everything. Maybe he thought Lazarus deserved to be there because he was an addict, or he had wasted his money, or made poor decisions, or was lazy. Maybe the rich man thought he understood the world, he understood God, and he had all the answers so he could sit back and enjoy and be oblivious to the needs. Maybe he thought he was equal with God, all dressed in purple, royalty, feasting sumptuously. I think it's important that we all are reminded we are not God. As I sat in the Cahaba on Friday morning, I noticed that there was this oily film on top of the water, some kind of runoff that had been in there, and it, I found myself shocked. Um, I hadn't been thinking much about the river and the way that our impact on it. And I was surprised because I don't need to tell you all this, we've been kind of praying for rain for the last 40 days and it hasn't seemed to work. But when it rains, it ends up, that's usually when you get that kind of runoff in the river. And so I found myself wondering, what's the impact that I have here? And recognizing, you know, the need to recognize that we're not God. And when we exist in God's created world, we should approach the world with a little more humility. That means we can't do whatever we like. We need to wonder a little bit more. We can't just waste and use and extract and destroy. We have to appreciate and have awe and mystery. We have to pay attention to what's close to us. And maybe in this wonder and awe and paying attention, we might find the chasm between us and God bridged because we see what is at our gate and we don't ignore. Amen.